All right, are you ready for some Bible study? Because I'm really going to introduce this scripture. And you have to do some work. You have to answer some questions. Because we are going to look at what parts of the story of the three kings, the three wise men, um, come from scripture and which do not. So first, there is only one scripture version of this epiphany story. Epiphany is the aha moment, the moment of realization, when these three kings recognize that the baby Jesus is an entirely different thing, that this is an encounter with God. This only happens in one gospel, the gospel of Matthew. So this is everything we know in the Bible about these three individuals. So based on what you hear read today, how many people came to visit? How many of them were there? You haven't even heard the scripture yet. And this is why I want you to listen. How many of them were there? Who else was there when they visited? Okay. What does it say about the building that they visited? And when did this visit take place? How old was Jesus? All right, you got your questions? How many of them? Oh, and also, by the way, what were they, these people? Who else was there other than Jesus? How old was Jesus? And what kind of place were they visiting? And here's a clue. Don't look down here. Close your eyes. Forget everything you've heard. Just listen to the facts as they are presented in this scripture. The scripture is taken from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, 
and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. All right. According to the scripture, how many of them were there? We don't know. <laughs> okay, one person knows. <laughs> um, we don't know. It never says that there are three of them. Now, why do you think we went to the number three? It's not outlandish. It's kind of in the scripture. Three gifts. Right, but it could have been a delegation of 30, and 10 of them brought frankincense, 10 of them brought myrrh, and 10 of them brought gold. But the idea that there's three of them, I think you can find that in the script. But who were these three people? Were they kings? Yeah. No. I mean, you know, if we go back to the original translation, right, the word is magi. It never says in Matthew any word that indicates that these were kings of another land. Magi is the word that is used. Let's talk about what magi means. Okay, so the Greek word was magos, and there may be a word in English that sounds a little like it could come from magi, Magic, magician, exactly. So there is a connection between those words, but let me tell you how it works. So the Greek word magos was, um, was from the old Persian word magos, and it actually um, refers to a religion called Zoroastrianism, which still exists today. And these were um, a Persian priestly caste, an elite group of people. They were wealthy. They were highly educated. They were, think about it, what did they follow? The star. The star is in there. They were um, very much into astronomy and astrology. And back then, astrology, the stars, were regarded as a science using predictions on the stars. And in their case, they worked. So they were probably Zoroastrian priests, wealthy people from another religion. And later, how does magi come to be related to magic? Well, much later, past this point where things are written down in scripture, um, people start to, in the, in the West, associate Zoroastrianism as a religion with the occult. This is, you know, centuries later. It actually wasn't a fair assumption to make. Zoroastrians um, were very much opposed to sorcery. They saw themselves as, as scientists who were following the stars, but later that label got put on the magi, and so then magic in the English language comes to mean sort of sorcery and that kind of thing. But probably these three visitors were Zoroastrian 
priests or wise men, and we don't know how many of them there were. So how did they become kings? Why do you think that happened in the tradition? Well, people didn't just randomly make stuff up. I mean, they could have said, you know, they were anything, right? You could have said there were three tax collectors. It could have been. The reason they said there were kings is that when you go back into the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, that predicts a coming Messiah who's going to be the savior of the Jewish people, and that is Jesus in the tradition, those scriptures, those prophecies predict that kings and rulers will, will bow down or come and visit Jesus. So that's where we get the, the kings, that people said, okay, these three visitors came. They were probably the kings who were predicted in the Old Testament. But that comes centuries and centuries after the fact. It's not really in the scripture. And I want you to remember that for much of Christian history, regular people like us did not get to read the scriptures in our own language. So we had no idea what it said. So somebody could tell you it was three kings, okay, fine. But it was later in the Protestant Reformation, as people start to read the language, you know, the Bible in their own language, that people like John Calvin, the reformer who comes in our congregational tradition, said it is a ridiculous contrivance that those men were kings. Beyond all doubt, those people who believe that, and here he was insulting the tradition of the Catholic priests and that uh, whole line who had taught people that it was kings, said those who believe that have been stupefied by a righteous judgment of God that all might laugh at their gross ignorance. Because isn't that a knee slapper? Um, but anyway, um, but later, you know, people dig in and they say, look, there's nothing in here. But there was a tradition of going back to those prophecies and saying, well, perhaps they were indeed kings. Where does the visit take place? Huh? A house. Yeah, a place. So there's nothing about the stable, um, even though we see that hay down there around Jesus. There's nothing about the stable. It's a place, probably the Greek word, it's house. So it's some house. They're in some house. All right? Um, let's just come down here. How old was Jesus when they visited? Up to two years. That's right. Jesus is just described as a child. Probably not in a manger surrounded by golden hay with a silk ribbon around him. Because that's how they took care of animals back then. They had a very different lifestyle for animals back then. But, um, but yeah, so, so it just says a child. And it's interesting because it says, you know, they came to visit um, Jesus after he was born in Bethlehem. So technically speaking, if you knocked on my door today after church, somebody could write that Katie came to visit Lillian after she had been born in Anderson, South Carolina, right? Many decades after I'd been born in Anderson, South Carolina. But, but it doesn't say a couple of days after Jesus was born. So we don't know. But if you were to crack open your Bibles and go to the next story in Matthew, it's, it's one of the most tragic, horrible stories. King Herod 
was deeply threatened by the idea that a Messiah for the Jewish people had been born because his whole job was to keep them down on behalf of the empire. And so he is terrified of this, and word is spreading. And by the way, these, this visit from these three magi, this would have been a very big deal, and people would have heard about it. It was not common for people like this to travel to a place like Bethlehem, and they were people of wealth, and they probably had an entourage, and these gifts were enormously valuable gifts. So word would spread. And so Herod sends an edict out and says that all the male children should be killed among the Jewish people under the age of two. So this happens directly after the visit of the Magi. The Magi come, and initially they're, they're famous and rich, and they are people of means, so they uh, have this vision to follow a star. They go and visit the ruler. They're, they're sort of peer and equal, King Herod. So that's another place where maybe that king connection gets made. But they are people of means and sophistications. They go visit Herod, and they say, oh, we're looking for the baby Jesus. And Herod said, oh, awesome. Like, let me know where you find him. And they don't pick up on it until they go and make this visit. Maybe, perhaps, when Jesus is a little older than an infant. But they come and make the visit, and at the end of the story, do they go back and see Herod? It says they go home by another road. So they have a vision. They have something that happens that says Herod does not have this child's best interest in mind. We are not going to go back and tell Herod where we found him. And so Herod presumably is going crazy trying to find this child. So, so technically, it could be the case. They could have visited Jesus when, say, he was a few days old. They don't go back and report to Herod. Herod spends a year or so trying to find the baby on his own and finally says, just to be on the safe side, I want all the children under the age of two killed. But we don't know how this takes place. But from the scripture, there is one person in this scene who perhaps shouldn't be here. Who is that? Joseph. Joseph. Sorry, Joseph. You may or may not have been there. <laughs> the only one we know was there was Mary, right? We know Mary was there. Um, Joseph could have been out getting pampers, whatnot, Sure, he meant he was doing something useful, but he may not have been there. It is Mary who gets named. Now, interestingly, um, as you look into this story, I mean, there are a lot of twists and turns in it, but when you picture your typical nativity scene, who else would be here? Shepherds, angels, right? Um, and, and Joseph, so let's just bring Joseph back, I feel bad for Joseph over there. Hey, Mary, I got your pampers. You need anything else? Um, so probably the idea that the shepherds were here in these scenes, there is 
another story of the adoration of the Christ child by the shepherds with the angels. But that's a separate story. So in many Christmas cards, many children's Christmas pageants, etc., it all gets conflated and you have these three magi coming and visiting and paying homage to the baby Jesus along with the shepherds. Probably these were separate events. And additionally, there are other creatures usually in here, the animals, but it's very possible the animals were not there because the shepherds visited with the animals. The magi possibly visited them once they were staying somewhere else. So what happens after this point? We know that Mary and Joseph had come to Bethlehem to be registered. But we also know that after this point, instead of going home as planned, they are nervous for their safety. They are getting visits from shepherds, word is spreading, now these magi come. And it ends up that they are going to flee with baby Jesus to Egypt and stay there for the first five or six years of Jesus' life and not return till much later. So that shows you that threat of what Herod was doing. Was that real? But it's very possible that Jesus was a little bigger of this than when the Magi visited. To me, one of the most amazing parts of this story, though, is this. Um, I love the fact that these educated, elite scholars, scientists, if you will, of the day, who probably thought they had a grasp on everything, sort of naively go to see Herod at the beginning. And then something happens and they are completely humbled and changed by this encounter. And they go home by another way. They are changed. They come in sort of knowing it all and they leave realizing that they don't. And they are changed. And that is the, the heart of the gospel, is that when you encounter Jesus, you are changed. And if you come into worship on a Sunday, knowing exactly what you're going to do afterwards, have you encountered Jesus? Everybody in any encounter with Jesus, in your prayers, in church, in a conversion, you should be changed enough that you do something different and you go out a different way. That is the sign that something has happened. And that was what they in their wisdom understood. Amen.